This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now, I want to make sure that even amidst the fun and the games, all of the decoration and the food and the games that we do, it is a frame. And the the portrait in that frame is Jesus. And so every time we get together with an event, I always want to make sure we spend a little time focused on the reason for that event, to elevate Jesus. That's why we're here. You know, so let's kick that off. Elevate Jesus! Man, y'all are beautiful. All right, so... I'm going to keep this short because I want to get to karaoke. Thank you, Brian, for bringing the karaoke. You guys know that we have been, we have begun, stay with me, elevate! We have begun the book of Matthew. And I don't know if it's been interesting to you, but we've been seeing how many golden nuggets are hidden in just the first couple chapters of Matthew. Fascinating stuff. And one of the things that Matthew wants to point out again and again and again and again is that when we look at Jesus, we see the rightful heir to the throne of David. That so much of Jesus' life, especially his birth story, points back to David, but then the life of David points beyond David, that there is going to be one greater that surpasses King David of Israel to this coming Messiah. This Messiah who wouldn't just be king of Israel, but king of the universe. And that's where I want to pick up tonight. Now, in the era of the festivities... This season is called the season of giving. Giving. That's right. Good job. Thank you. The season of giving. You know, I I would bet you that Christmas is connected with gift giving across the United States. Like you don't even have to be a Christian to celebrate Christmas with gifts. How many families that are like atheists or they just don't even care about Christianity are going to be sitting down May 25th opening presents. Oh, sorry. December 25th, opening presents. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's do this again in May. December 25th, opening presents, because Christmas is synonymous with gift giving, right? Wow. Did something get brighter? Oh, hey, there's a graphic up there now. That's awesome. There is a New Age meditation Buddhist website, and it was posed on the website, is it better to give or better to receive? And listen to the fluff woven into this answer. This is one of those like mental wellness, meditate, the universe is all connected by energy. Here, check this out. This was their, their response. Giving and receiving are both aspects of the same flow of energy in the universe. It's therefore important to be both a good giver and a good receiver. 
Giving can inspire great positive change and healing in the world that deeply needs it. I, I, I can agree with that. Listen to this. Spiritual and religious leaders espouse the blessings of giving for a reason. It has the power to immediately shift one into a state of grace. Giving gifts shifts you. That's a theological statement. To shift, be shifted into a state of grace. And this is coming from a website that doesn't believe in Jesus of any kind. And they have like the moxie to attach that kind of uh, terminology. That's so interesting. It's just flowing in the universe. When you give a gift, the universe compensates you. This karma kind of idea. And karma is just man's way of trying to believe in fairness in the universe. And I'm telling you, the world is not fair. It's broken. It's certainly unfair. I want to take a look at gift giving. Why do Christians exchange gifts? Anyone off the top of your head? Anybody? Go ahead. Uh, it makes them like remember like each other. It makes them remember each other? Somebody else? Showing good things for others. Doing good things for others? Why do Christians give gifts on Christmas? Thoughts? Yeah, you already heard from you. You had your chance. Yeah, go ahead. Because Jesus got gifts when he was born. Man, where's am I out of prizes? There you go, gold star. There you go, metaphorical gold star. Matthew 2, 9 through 12. Let's listen to the word. And behold, the star that they had seen. This is talking about the magi, the wise men. They saw the star. They followed the star. When it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is gold and spices. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country. So most people believe that when we give gifts on Christmas, we're remembering the wise men that brought gifts to Jesus. Whenever they arrived, they rejoiced exceedingly. That's number one. They bowed down and worshiped, and they gave gifts. Could they have responded with any greater adoration? Like, what could they have done any more to show adoration? They're bowing down. They're worshiping. They're exceedingly excited about this. They're giving the very gifts that they have. Like, they're showing the utmost praise. Honestly, if you really look at the scene, it seems sort of disproportional to what they're looking at. They're in, like, this humble house with a guy who's just a humble carpenter, and they're worshiping a, probably a one-and-a-half to a two-year-old. Like, that, I mean, if Mary wasn't holding him, he'd be, like, biting the dog. He would be peeing on himself. He'd be licking electrical outlets. Or maybe that's just my two-year-old. And yet, they see something and are witnessing something that is rocking their world. They are falling down and worshiping Jesus. And they believe that their adoration was completely appropriate. Matthew is using this story of the wise men to intentionally connect back to an Old Testament story. And I never saw this before until I was studying this out. And this is so interesting. But this giving of gifts did not begin with the wise men. Matthew is again connecting Jesus back to David. Do you remember back 
if you, I'm hoping you guys are reading your Bibles. I am assuming that you guys are reading your Bibles. This woman called the Queen of Sheba visited Solomon. And when she came, she came with an entourage loaded down with gold and spices. And she's this Gentile coming from a foreign nation. She's a dignitary and she's coming to see the majesty of Solomon and his kingdom. And it says that whenever she saw all of the things that he had built and designed, whenever she tried him with hard questions and he answered them with great wisdom, it said that she was left breathless. Literally, it means that there was no breath in her body. She was stunned by all that she saw. This is another David-Jesus connection. Get this. The Queen of Sheba was a Gentile stateswoman who made a trip with gold and spices to honor the son of David. And the Magi were Gentile statesmen who made a trip to offer gold and spices to the person that Matthew has now many times called the son of David. It's pointing back that Jesus supersedes, he surpasses David, but also he surpasses Solomon. What was Solomon most known for? Anybody? What was he most known? Wisdom, but what did he do? He built the temple. Solomon designed and built the temple of God, the very place where the manifest presence of God settled in this cloud and fire over the Holy of Holies. And it affected everyone around where they could, they, it says that they had to sit down. They couldn't sing. They couldn't talk because the presence of God was so thick. The place of God's manifest presence on earth where heaven touched earth was at the temple. And so when we're talking about David establishing a kingdom because Jesus surpasses David and Jesus establishes the kingdom not of Israel but of, of, of heaven on earth, he also surpasses Solomon. That Jesus Christ becomes the place of God's manifest presence on earth where heaven touches earth. Jesus is the walking, talking temple and he is the presence of God among his people. And to take that thought just a little bit further, when Jesus is about to depart, what's he say? He says, the Spirit of God is going to come on you. The church, God's people, are indwelled with the very Holy Spirit of God, where we, through the power of Jesus, become the place where God's presence is functioning in the world. And so whenever Matthew is tossing our thoughts back to this this picture of Solomon, this woman who's left breathless at all that Solomon did, at seeing the temple, we're reminded that Jesus even surpasses Solomon in this way. But the wise men were not the first gift givers. And the queen of Sheba was not the first gift giver. And here's where everything hinges tonight. Now I want to open up your minds just a little bit to what Scripture says. Check this out. Ephesians 1, 3-4. It opens with worship. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Get this. Even as He chose us 
in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. As in, before God began creating, he gave the gift of his love to you. All of those who call on his name as their Lord, God not only foreknew that, but he forechose you with the gift of his love, which was manifest, greatestly, greatestly expressed in the person of Jesus. Check this out. John picks up on this. First John, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means that God was against those who are in rebellion against him. And propitiation means that his wrath of judgment against us was appeased at the cross. He was no longer against us because of what Jesus did at the cross. His sacrifice was enough. The gift, the greatest gift, gift giving goes so far back behind the wise men, beyond the Queen of Sheba, to the very beginning when God intended to create and he knew your name and chose to love you. Don't you understand that whenever God planted that tree in the garden, his decision was already made for a tree on Golgotha where his son would die? That he already knew that you would need a Savior? And out of love, purposed that Jesus would die on a cross for you. His greatest expression of His love was Jesus. And that's what we celebrate on Christmas. That's what we get excited about. That's what we rejoice exceedingly about. It's because this baby in the manger was born to die so that we could call on Him to save our lives. That's who our Christ is. His love toward the rebels, the mockers, the despisers. We are the hopeless ones. And we were dead in our sins. And Jesus was the Lamb who was slain for us. He is the giver of life, the hope for the hopeless. And our perfect response towards Jesus is the same response the wise men had. That we rejoice exceedingly. That we were hopeless and now have hope. That we were broken and now healed. That we were destined for hell and now saved by grace through faith. That we rejoice exceedingly. That we bow down and worship Him. That we choose Him as God over the idols in our lives, over everything else that we might worship. What are those priorities in your lives? Those may be the things that you worship. We bow down before God Almighty, before Jesus, and we worship Him and Him alone. And everything doesn't just take a back seat. Everything else has to get out of the car. Think about this. Maybe, let's use... Really bizarre imagery. Join me, and if you're not weird enough to think like me, I'm sorry. Just 
hold that thought. Imagine your life is like a hayride. And you're driving the tractor and you get into sports. So let's like say, you know, maybe your favorite athlete jumps on the hayride. This is part of your life now, right? Or maybe it's music and your favorite musician, or maybe there's like a guitar with legs that jumps on your hayride, right? And as you're as you're moving through life, your boss gets on the hayride. Maybe a teacher gets on the hayride. Maybe a girlfriend hops up there. And so you're driving, and all of these different aspects of your life are what you're carrying with you. Jesus is not someone that you invite to join the hayride. He doesn't just become a part of your life. Just one more passenger. One more thing that you do during the week. No, Jesus is where you jump off the tractor and say, Jesus, this has been yours all along. And anything back there that doesn't honor you or glorify you has to get off. Jesus, you are the king of my life. You're the driver. And my whole life, everything in tow, if it doesn't glorify you, if it doesn't honor you, then it's gone. That is to bow down and worship Him only. All right, for those of you who aren't weird, come back to the conversation now. If you followed me, thanks for sticking with me. And third, we give gifts. And the greatest gift that we can give is our life. In response to the gift that He gave, which was His life, that we would live every day for Him. Christmas is the season of giving. It's a season of remembering Jesus' birth. So let's celebrate this year the highest, greatest, most incredible gift ever given, and that is God's love. And that gift was not in wrapping paper and bows. It was wrapped in flesh. And it wasn't placed under a tree for everybody to desire it. It was in Nowheresville in a manger where no one would think to look. And it wasn't a gift bought with money that somebody earned and was in a bank account and they swiped a card. No, it was earned with blood. It was a gift beyond anything we could imagine. Oh, the glorious love of our Jesus, that he would choose us. Have you? Have you bowed down and worshiped him? Have you given your life to him? Have you gotten off the tractor and said, Lord, it's yours. May everything glorify you. I challenge you to do that, to respond perfectly to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you have, yes, we get to party for eternity. It's going to be great. Oh, that the Lord will be the Lord of your life and we're brothers and sisters. In every hurricane of our lives, we walk together with Jesus. That we would support each other and love each other as the kingdom being God's presence on earth. That's us. Oh, what a great gift. The gift of His Holy Spirit. He is the giver of gifts. And we are the mind-blown, blessed out of our minds, socks-rocked receivers. Recap. Christmas is the season of giving. Why? Often because we think of the wise men who responded with rejoicing, worship, and giving. They parallel this Queen of Sheba in the Old Testament in 1 Kings. And she reminds us that Jesus surpasses even Solomon. 
God was the first gift giver. He chose to love us before creating the universe. His love was fully expressed in the gift of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can be saved. Our perfect response is as the wise men, rejoicing, worshiping, gift giving. The proper gift to give the king of the universe is our whole lives. So here's your two challenges. I love this first one. Ah, Take this on board. Set a reminder on your phone. It's beautiful and it's awesome. Challenge number one, wake up early on Christmas morning, earlier than everybody else, and spend time with your Lord Jesus. Open up His Word. Spend time singing praises to Him. Just you and Him. Have some God time before everything gets started. Just you and Him. And give Christmas Day to Him. Challenge number two. Make that a part of every day. That every day, you make sure in your mind, you're hopping off the tractor, and Jesus, this is yours. This whole day is nothing but an altar, and all of my thoughts, all of my actions, and all of my words, they're going on an altar as a sacrifice and an offering to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you're doing tonight. You are gracious and loving. Lord, what an incredible gift that you had the names of every believer in this room in mind when you created, having chose them. And Lord, if there is any in here that don't love you, that have not given their lives to you, that haven't surrendered their tractor, (laughs) oh Lord, I pray that you will call them, that you will hound them with the Holy Spirit, pricking their heart. Let them not know peace until they know you. Let every other idol that they might worship be empty compared to the glorious truth of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of love. We love you, Lord, and we give all this back to you in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.